It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs. Please listen carefully. Hello and welcome to the Cultural Stew podcast for the week of February 18th, 2018. My name is Ron Harkins Jr. and I am joined by my co-host Valerie Vidmar. Hello. And Anthony Carter. Hey. We are your weekly cultural media recommendation podcast, giving you our take on what we think is worth carving your time for, and also what we think you can pass on and maybe go out and cut the lawn instead. Warning, there may be spoilers ahead. Today's show, we will be talking about some of the news that we care about. A bunch of trailers came out and a couple of new season announcements. The recommendations of the week, I'm going to go into a little sci-fi with Altered Carbon. Big Sick will be tackled by Anthony and... Leading us off will be Valerie with The Ritual. And today, Stu, we're going to talk about historical depictions, and that will tie into this week's media, which is The Lost City of Z. And we'll close it out with what's on our radar, what's in our queue, and what we are currently watching. So into the news that we care about. A couple new trailers came out this week. Biggest one that I'm anticipating was Jurassic World, um, and that was also followed up by Solo. Jurassic World, of course, is another sequel to the Jurassic Park franchise series. Um, All hell broke loose in the trailer. Any thoughts on the trailer, Anthony, from you? I thought the storyline for the uh, this new film was interesting. I mean, they're what? rescuing dinosaurs this time. Rescuing so dinosaurs while a volcano blows up in the background. <laughs> it's like no matter how ridiculous it looks, I'm still going to be there to watch it. Yeah, I agree. It's just something about dinosaurs. I like that. And Chris Pratt. I think he's fun to watch. He can be. Um, what else? I think I'm just stuck on the fact that they're going back to save the dinosaurs. It's like a Pompeii, but we're not saving people. We're going to save the dinosaurs and save our relationship, whatever Isn't that is. Isn't going to alter time? Isn't there going to be some type of alteration? Well, it depends if they're putting them. I mean, time won't be affected. It'll just be where they put them. So the ecosystem that they put them in which we don't know where they're placing them. I wouldn't say time is going to be affected. I say the future is going to be affected. Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, there's I a lot of interesting takeaways. I, I think the story is probably a mess, <laughs> more so than Jurassic World was uh, a couple of years ago, but I'll, I'm still going to watch it. It's going to be on my radar for watching later this year. Then the other one that came out right after, so these were, Right after the Super Bowl, so these came out. So we got a little preview of Solo, and then a couple days later, the Solo trailer came out. Valerie. The Solo trailer? Yeah. Didn't like it, did you? I just miss Harrison. So it's very hard for me to see somebody who, I don't know. Are they trying to make him look like Harrison? I I, I just thought it was okay. There was an interesting thing when they started casting and I'm not going to dig too deep into this but when they started casting it a couple years ago there was a movie that Harrison Ford was in and there was another actor that looked almost identical to a younger Harrison Mm -hmm. so I mean if they were going to go after something that looked like Harrison they could have gone for him 
and I don't. They chose to go with this guy, and I think it was more for acting. I think it was more for his char- charisma um, that he brought to the role rather than the looks of just being Han Solo. I mean, honestly, I I believe Harrison Ford was depicted uh, by depicted no the young Harrison Ford in Indiana Jones was River Phoenix correct yeah that was that was then and um, there was, was another one a couple years ago it was um, uh, 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 uh. yes you're right Are no you? no no I'm just there's a there was a movie that was just out a couple years ago where Harrison Ford had a younger uh, person wasn't it Shia no it no it, it wasn't Indiana Jones it was like Anderson oh, Al- Rick or something like that it's whoever's not this guy. He was one of the guys that was in the running for it. So he's, it was recent movie. Oh, okay. Like within the last couple of years. Anyways, but uh, the biggest surprise was that it took this long for a trailer to come out because Solo has just been in uh, production hell after the Lord. Uh, <laughs> the There's been like chaos on set, off why? set. There's a lot of drama. Just they've been firing directors and just not believing in the vision in quotation marks. Okay. But I think Kathleen Kennedy got a little protective of the property and hmm. cut people. Yeah, I mean, Phil Lord and uh, who's the other guy that works with him? Phil Lord and... Phil Lord. Um, they have a very st- specific style of humor. They were behind uh, the Lego movie. Mm-hmm. So that's their style of humor and they were sort of bringing that into the Solo in the Star Wars film and it was totally against what apparently Kathleen Kennedy and crew wanted. So they brought on Ron Howard mm-hmm. to, to finish off the directing. And I think they just basically had to deconstruct everything that the other guys did in much the same way as what happened with uh, Justice League. Right. But well, that wasn't... to get a superhero dig in there. That wasn't you. really... Oh, my God. Well, the thing is, that wasn't it's, his fault. Zach, that wasn't Zach's fault. That was... Um, Zach had a family issue, and he had to step down, and Joss stepped in. So, I mean, that was a family emergency on Zach's part, but I mean. We can dig into that offline, but there's a lot of other stuff that's been popping up this week in regards to that. that Lucas doesn't have anything any to say do with in this? Family. No. no. Lucas sold property a long time ago <sighs> when they sold it to Disney. Is this a book? Is this based on a book? Or what? is this a, just Solo. a movie? What is? Solo. No, it was uh, IP, isn't it? Like, just someone had a story and they yeah. bought the story and they said, well, we'll write this into a screenplay. <sighs> okay. So. Solo came out. A couple other uh, trailers. Oh, uh, I said, you know, I I did see the Mission Impossible trailer only because I saw um, that there was an article about the fact that he learned how to how to fly a helicopter for this film. So I watched that, which was that's insane. He's insane. Tom Cruise is a, a nutcase when it, it comes to he's doing crazy. The stunts for his films. And so watching that and having him do these straight dives down and, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I think he's a little bit of a, he's an adrenaline junkie. And uh, I'm surprised he's not. Dead? Yeah, <laughs> I really am. Yeah, there, I mean, Looks this fun. week there Looks was fun. the video going around of showing him jumping off the building onto the other building. Mm-hmm. And on one of the British programs, they actually showed him and the, impact with the building when he broke his ankle on set Mm -hmm. um but it's his history of doing those and the other trailer that came out and this just came out on thursday the incredibles incredibles 2 the incredibles 2 did you did you have you seen it the incredibles trailer not yet the trailer i find it uh kind of interesting the superhero dad who has to stay home and watch the kid yes and i showed my daughter 
because we fight about new math all the time, and I say it all the time, and then the falling asleep when you're reading a book and then waking you up. Um, but I really thought it was interesting with him staying home and doing Mr. Mom kind of and her going out. So that would be interesting. And then uh, when they had him, t- when the baby, is it Jack Jack? Jack Jack. Jack Jack. He eats a cookie. He turns into a monster. Yeah. And I said, that's about accurate. He's just loaded with all these super abilities too. So it's going to be, yeah. It'll be fun. So those are the movie trailers that came out this week. Um, I don't expect any other major trailers coming out in the next couple weeks. Uh, anything major that we're waiting for because that's kind of, I think almost everything for the summer has come out now. Uh, a couple of announcements that came out was Legion Season 2 returns on April 3rd and Westworld Season 2 will be back sooner than we thought. It was supposed to be coming back basically next year and they basically fast forwarded it to coming out now. So it's been a year since Westworld 2 or Westworld ended and it'll be coming out. Did you like it? Did you enjoy it? Westworld? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed Legion as well. I think they're two of the better shows out there that were worth watching. Legion is a superhero. Oh. It's a very good superhero. It's on FX. Shocking. That's shocking. But give it a a watch. I know. It's very out there in terms of writing, and it does things that most superhero films don't, or it's not a superhero film, superhero shows don't touch and because okay. it went on fx they branch out and do a little bit more deeper got it um i had that uh, was looking up something and then i realized that one of my favorite books of this last year that i read uh the hate you give was going to be a movie uh so George Tillman, who's the director, he actually produced Mudbound, is putting that out. And then so I decided I want to see what other books that I particularly read or have heard about were coming out into movies either this year or, as far as I knew, they were all 2018s. Um, Where'd You Go, Bernadette um, by Maria Snitzender, I think that's her last name. Uh, I haven't read that, but it's a very popular book right now. Obviously, Annihilation is coming out. Uh, Red Sparrow, obviously, Ready Player One, which I did read, but I can talk about later. Uh, Bel Canto is actually a, a book that Ann Patchett um, has done, <laughs> uh, which I have been kind of waiting for a film version of that. And Julianne Moore is going to be starring in that, so that'll be interesting. What movie was that? Bel Canto by Ann Patchett. I heard about that one. Uh, it's an older book, but it's very, very popular. And, uh, oh, the Guernsey Literary Potato Peel Society. That is going to be coming out, which a friend of mine uh, really likes. I have not read the book yet, so. But I think it's, I think it's good. I mean, if they do them justice, I think. Oh, also, the book I'm reading now, or listening to, um, Beartown is also going to be coming out, but it's going to be on the small screen. So I hope they don't mess that mess that up. Probably a segue for me to talk a little bit about my feelings on reading books before I see film. I, I don't. Well, here's the thing. I, I read the book, and then later they come out with a film. Yeah. I, I've always been 
in the mind frame of trying to stay away from things that I think have potential to be a film, which now it's just like everything, everything. that comes out can be. But that was basically for the last 20, 25 years has been me staying away from certain books because I want to see the film version first because every time I see something that I've read, my mind is like, oh, where's that? Where's this? Where's this? And you make up this own storyscape in your mind, and then the film never Did you read Harry Potter? That. I did not, and I actually really didn't enjoy the series as well. So, Okay. It was just something. I just never got into it at that time. There was other things that were... Are you reading now? Occasionally. But I'll, I'll typically, if I see a film, then I'll go back and try to read a book to see where the differences are. And oh, so you do the, the, the book afterward? Yes. It's just... And we know that you I always, read a lot. I read The Martian read. before I saw The Martian movie, actually. So the, uh, the Martian book was actually dense. Like, I know that stuff and I can understand it, but for the average I reader... enjoyed it. A lot. It is, but I enjoyed the book. But they did a good job condensing it for the film. They made it more... How can I say appetizing for and entertaining for audiences because had they kept the original text and all that mind-boggling math and well of course it would have been too much for people but the book was free so you know i just i read it and it was good yeah the movie was great so it's just been my little thing it's just i it's why i don't read a lot of mainstream books what i am really tied into is more of like historical books like historical uh not fiction, historical nonfiction. So I love reading stuff on American history and reading those. And so I steer myself. There's no away. movies that come out about anything historical. Oh, there well, are. Lincoln. I'm joking you. There is a different expectation, whereas to something like reading Jurassic Park before seeing the movie would have completely <gasps> changed my feelings on that film because there is so much that's in the actual Jurassic Park book that has been stripped out of the movie and thrown into the other two or three movies that came out. Mm -hmm. um, and I would have been depressed, and I wouldn't have viewed the movie in the same way that I did. So that's my feelings on books. My but. daughter had her first... She, she read Wonder probably about 15 times, and then the movie came out. So uh, it was her first experience with going in and seeing a movie after knowing a book loving a book so much so yeah it can be disappointing i get a lot of flack for it but oh, nice. it's just whatever it's the way my brain thinks i don't like having to create something in my head only to have it destroyed by seeing it on film so that's pretty much wraps up all the news but i wanted to share one other little thing that starting march 3rd we are actually going to be moving to a weekly show so our first uh weekly show is going to be the Ostrich Podcast, and we'll be moving on weekly after that. And we're also making a new mini-show called Moments of Influence that will be in between shows. So look for that starting up next week. Going into our recommendation list, here we are going to each talk about something that we watched this week and whether we liked it, whether we hated it, and take <laughs> us away, Valerie. Okay. okay, so I wasn't quite sure. I, I, the last couple of weeks have been a little tough. So I haven't really been watching too much. And so I brought up Netflix. This was trending. I looked it up, thought it sounded pretty good. So I started watching The Ritual, which uh, came out in 2017. It's, yeah, it's on Netflix. The director is uh, David Bruckner, who did Southbound, which I have not seen, but got great reviews, and VHS. I'm not sure if you guys have seen that. Um sounds familiar like something i watched a while ago it's it's derivative 
of a lot of movies I've seen. So, you know, although it did pretty well as far as critics go, I mean, it was around 70%, which is not too bad um, because it's more of a horror movie, I would say. Uh, It starts out with college friends reuniting. There is an incident that uh, one of them dies um, and one of them plays kind of a, is witness to it and there's drama there. So they decide to Are go. we talking about the ritual or VHS? We're talking about the ritual. Okay. Sorry, the ritual. Yes. I have not seen VHS. I was going to say uh, VHS, the horror to me would be like going to Blockbuster and trying to get that Blu-ray and only being stuck with being able to watch it on VHS. That would be a horror movie. I'd be me. fine because I have VHS player. So do I. So anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> So they go on the trip to kind of memorialize their friend. Um, And it's in the Scandinavian wilderness. They take a wrong turn. All hell breaks loose. Basically, they go into a cabin because there's a huge storm. Lots of witchcraft, lots of uh, voodoo, black magic, insane things happening. I mean, and from then on, it was just... It was very, you know, Blair Witch um, kind of stuff. Uh, and then it got, it got pretty gory, so I wasn't a real fan of that. And it just kept going and going uh, until you saw there was actual a, a monster in the show. So Jason and I watched it. We were just kind of at the end thinking, okay, would I recommend it? Um, I, I did have my the blanket over my face a couple of times so if that's the kind of movie you want that'll do it for you and some of the dialogue i thought was pretty good i think we're trying to be smart i think they were trying to deal with some guilt and feelings that surrounded this death was trying to be some deep stuff in there but uh, i would say if you have nothing else to do you could turn it on i don't think it'll be it's not something that you're going to feel like god i just wasted time on so what am i saying i'm gonna say save it for a rainy day okay yeah so i'm gonna talk about altered carbon i had the chance to wrap up the series um and it was one of those ones where like as soon as i watched one i had to watch the next one i really just full-on binged the series as quickly as i could and when i review something i'm not going to review it on just like oh i watched the first episode here's my review no i'm going to review it on the the series as a whole so i'm not going to go into in depth as to what happened with every single episode but um alter carbon it basically takes place in the future uh not sure exactly the year i forgot what year they came up to but it opens up with this scene um a very violent scene uh, with the character of Will Yun uh, Lee, who um, will later be known as uh, Takachi Kovac, um, basically getting blown away in his apartment. And all of a sudden, we cut to Joel Kinnaman waking up uh, 250 years later in the future. Um, and you come to find out that he's been re-sleeved. So Will Yun Lee is now Joel Kinnaman. They had a way of taking these the memories of a person and the person that what makes up a person and putting them into another person or what they would later call sleeves so they can almost be like a replicant if you've ever seen blade runner 
um, they're manufactured bodies. Um, and so because of the crimes that Takashi Kovach was accused of, they basically put his little, um, it looks like a little glowing disc and that's what controls all the memories. They put it on ice for 250 years, wakes up as Joel Kinnaman. So right off the bat, you have this issue of a Asian character being replaced by a white character. Um, so you have that thrown right in your face of the whole, you know, whitewashing is pretty prevalent in media right now on several aspects. But quickly that goes away because you realize, well, there's a lot of, William Lee in the flashback. So they give William Lee a very prominent role in how he plays out for the rest of the series. And so the reason this Takashi Kovach is brought back is to solve the murder of a rich um, guy named Bradford, who is played by James Purefoy. Um, I first noticed James Purefoy on the following. I don't know if you caught mm -hmm. that on Fox. He's just the evil bastard. Yeah. Um, creepy as hell and he plays the most rich affluent they're called meths in this and they're basically they're people that have all these chambers of all their own replica bodies and they can do whatever they want to these bodies and it really begins to start exploring this world of the future where bodies are basically meaningless they're just a transport for uh, all your memories so People get killed, they take it, put it into another sleeve. Um, they can do whatever they want. And this series really dives into a very adult level of understanding and tearing apart what, uh, what morality is and what morality is in the future. Um, and it kind of gave me that European understanding of like versus U United States understanding of like, you know, if you watch a commercial in, in Europe, you'll see naked people all day long, and it's not anything that's um, shocking. It's nothing that's shocking at all. But over here, you know, you have a series like this on Netflix that comes off, and you're, you know, full on nude uh, sex. You have people getting blown away in very graphic detail, um, realizing how much morality has played in the way our viewership is here, and. It just it throws that in your face constantly over and over and over to the point where you really become desensitized in the show and you stop thinking about it and you just realize, yeah, it is really just a show about these uh, people's memories that just keep getting used over and over and over again into... They never use the word soul. Not really. I forgot what they, they actually call that. It, it, it's like a disc. You know, it's basically like inserting a flash drive into, into somebody in the future. Um, so everybody gets an upgrade, you know, they have, they have this scene where, um, basically husband and wife fight each other to the death and whoever wins gets an upgrade to their sleeve. So they get a better body, they get a better face. But by the time you've gotten to that point, you've gotten used to the whole series and the way how everything is so that the actual physical bodies that you're seeing, you're like, okay, yeah, these aren't real. But to, to, to Kashi Kovacs, who's now been brought 250 plus years in the future, this is all like, wait a minute, this is, these are people, why are you doing this? Why is everybody going there? But it explores him trying to, long story short, um, solve this murder, but in actuality of him trying to discover what happened to him and how he got there. And 
it's got plenty of twists and turns towards the end. It, the vibe of the whole show is, like I said, it's very Blade Runner. It's very futuristic. I really enjoyed that aspect of it. I think the CGI and um, is top notch. I think what they do with it. Uh, Joel Kinnaman is very strong uh, as the lead character. I think William Lee, every time they bounce back into the flashbacks, is terrific. And it'll be interesting to see what they do going forward with a season two, um, because how they left it was very like, oh, who's gonna who's gonna be Takashi going forward? Is it going to be Joel Kinnaman or is it going to be William Lee? Because it can be either one of them. How they set it up with the whole like anybody's sleeve can go in anybody. So did he it, have any reaction? I'm sorry. Did he have any reaction to himself the first time he saw himself in the mirror? Was there yes, any reaction? He it's did. right at the beginning. And this is going to be the first time I'm not going to actually like try to put too many spoilers out there as to it because I think they really affect your viewing of this going forward. Um, but he does. It's right in the, the okay. first 15 minutes. He, he's, he's aware. He screams, bring me a mirror, bring me a mirror, bring me a mirror. And then he's like, he asks right after he sees how long have I been asleep? And then he just strikes it off like it's nothing and goes in. Well, that's and that's strange. But th- this is how they they tie in and they use that section for saying, oh, he's been like 15 other people. And they go through like he is a master person who has the ability to upload himself into. So you're just saying else. a snippet of his life. You're saying that these things were happening before the movie started or they started yes. happening. Okay. And then as the series goes on, you okay. start delving into why William Lee or the Takashi Kovash character was doing that, you know, what was he doing? And they were all about being a rebel force that was fighting all these people that were trying to create basically eternal life. You know, that's what it's about. These meths, these people that continually use the sleeve, use the disc over and over. And the richer you are, the more you get to be able to do that. And everybody who is not rich becomes this class of people who are just basically throwaways. Do people work? Yes. Okay. But, to different degrees. So it's a, it's a series I highly recommend. Um, it has many layers. You can sit here and talk about it. I mean, this would be something that maybe on a later episode after the both of you have seen, we could talk about in depth. It's just a high recommend on my, my list. I thought it was a well done series. Um, it has its faults, but you know what? This is, if Blade Runner never existed, this would fill that space by itself. But the fact that Blade Runner exists, I think this can exist separately. I okay. think it, it it fills itself nicely that you don't need to understand like a world like Blade Runner to understand this world. Okay. Um, and what's it on? It is on Netflix. It's it just came Netflix. out uh, two weeks ago. Okay. Yeah, it's um, on my list. And I must say, like Joel Kinnaman, uh, the first time I, I saw him was on The Killing. And I, mm. you know, then we watched Have him on the Suicide killing? Squad. And then... He came on this, and I think he adequately fills this role. I think this role was meant for him, despite the whole issue with, like, oh, yeah, he's a white guy playing an Asian guy character. Um, But there's necessary crutches that needed to happen, and I think Joel Kinnaman pulls that off for everything that went forward. Cool. So definitely see it. Tony. All right, so I watched The Big Sick because at school, in my classroom, we have students sick. And everyone in our school is sick, and everyone in the country is sick with the flu. So I said, hey, why not watch The Big Sick? And it was written by Kumal <laughs> Nanjiani and his wife, Emily V. Gordon. It was directed by Michael Showalter, Walter, and it has Nanjiani playing himself, Zoe Kazan, Holly Hunter, and Ray Romano. Um, basically, in short, the story's about Nanjiani and Zoe 
or slash Emily is their name, his wife, they're meet cute. They got together and then they actually, um, she got sick, went into a coma and it's about him trying to woo or influence her parents into liking him. And before Emily got sick, he broke up with her because he realized that his family would never approve of him marrying a non-Pakistani. So you have that cultural clash going on and it's realistic how it's written and it's a comedy drama. It's a dramedy. I would say dramedy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was entertaining. Uh, I liked it. My wife and I watched it um, twice, not back to back, but once we were kind of tired of watching it. And the next time we watched it fully awake and, and it's nominated for best screenplay. This How year. many times did you laugh out loud? That's kind of important. I would say 13 times. That's not a lot. Well, it's, I mean, it's better than two. It's, it's more physical comedy or physical looks. I'm more about not what verbally is being said, but about, you know, how people physically react. Right. To, uh, this, is, this has been in my queue for a little while. I just hadn't. I was actually going to watch it yesterday, but I got distracted by another movie <laughs> we had to watch. Right, um, right. We'll get to that. But the reason it was in my queue is because the, the podcast I was listening to at the time had mentioned that it is one of the most realistic in terms of how like argument conversations go in adult situations. I would agree with that. that. Yeah. Okay. Really? I mean, it, it, I mean, being a screenwriter, it is hard to write realistic dialogue to begin with, not for me, but for other writers, but oh. having an ear for how people really talk. I mean, there's another film I watched uh, recently. I think, uh, Ron, you mentioned watching it. Um, the Ben Stiller film with uh, the Meyer Witt stories. Yeah, Meyer Witt stories. Yeah. I saw that. Um, Noah has a good ear for dialogue, and he also has good ear for rhythm and how people communicate. And there's a lot of times where Dustin's character, the father, and Ben are talking, or just Adam Sandler are talking, and they're overlapping each other. They're talking, but they're actually not listening. They're trying to get their point across, and he's trying to get his point across, and they're just overlapping. And that's real life. People do that. They talk over each other, under each other. And I feel in this film. We had real awkward pauses, like they would be in real life. It wasn't like, oh, we're going to stop and take a beat. It's like, oh, well, this is awkward, and my eyes are going to look weird, and we're going to pause and move forward. I mean, I enjoyed the writing a lot. Um, it's new. It's a new take on the meet-cute romantic comedy genre, which is nice. Not just, oh, we meet, we love each other, we have fun, then we break up, and then we get together. It's we meet, we break up, she's sick, now I have to get her back but her parents are the barrier there and this is like a life or, life or death situation we're dealing with but it it was good and i zoe always impresses me in everything she's in she's a good actor and uh nanjiani i've seen his comedy so it's good to see him do nothing something that's not comedy but he wrote it with his wife so it's a passion project and i enjoyed it i would recommend it a lot actually i, I think i've only seen him uh, from silicon valley i think that was the he's show definitely he branched out from silicon valley in a good way. So it's a recommendation for you? Must see. Yeah. Must see. Awesome. Got it. Okay. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back with our topic and media of the week. And welcome back. Today, we have a interesting topic and movie. Today, the topic was given by Valerie. Yes, I was looking at a whole bunch of historical movies that I have been thinking about and looking at to watch. And so I was kind of thinking about uh, the fact that a lot of 
my education or uh, influence or uh, even having something come into my consciousness about a certain topic or a, a, uh, a person, anything, an event, has been from film. So my question was, if film could ever get an accurate depiction of history, or are we always at the mercy of the writer slash director? Either one. Because um, my, my f first feeling about this was uh, in 1991, I think I was a sophomore in high school, I went to see uh, JFK. And the way that movie is laid out, to me in my young brain, it was, well, hell, this is what happened. You know, I was convinced <laughs> this is what happened. This is the, con you know, I totally bought into the conspiracy theory. I, he did a good job with that. Um, and I thought, for years that's kind of I know that sounds maybe silly I just really bought into the whole thing um it was also <laughs> the first movie that I passed out in because they had actual footage of uh, JFK okay. being um yeah and they kept showing it over and over and because I knew it was real I just got up and left um and there's, I watched a lot of movies in history class. Did you guys watch any movies in we history did, yeah. class? Did I you? I don't remember seeing any movies in history class. Um, I think it's because my mother was my history teacher, and she's also a lover of film, and she is very picky about showing certain things, but she shows, you know, we watched uh, Roots, and we watched Schindler's List. We had to have uh, notes from our parents signed and make sure that we could watch some of these things, but I think she just wanted to make sure that that people understood. Look, this is these are the types of things that were happening, and it, they may not be exact, but you're at least uh, and what is the word uh, informed, or you are given the tools to. Yeah, I mean, you're seeing it, you're so hearing it, you're understanding that this actually happened. I mean, sometimes people so don't even know anything. anything going back to your it. question is, can a film give us an accurate depiction of history? To me, I'm going to say, even if it's a documentary, it's difficult. I feel that um, being a writer or... Uh, knowing how directors can swerve around a story they want to put a film out that's going to sell i think you're you're also at the mercy of you know you hear the old adage you know history is written by winners um you hear stuff like that and you're at you hear that there's more than just the people who won and the people who lost there's also the actual story which is somewhere in the middle and you have directors that are trying to navigate that, but they're getting their stories from the writers. And the writers are, you know, whether you're going to be a biased on, as to what side of the story you're going to be following on, but also a lack of information. Right. They can, you can investigate the history as much as you want. Two years later, there could be new information that makes, okay, well, that actually didn't happen. You know, right. oh, this didn't happen this way. But you're at the mercy of, 
you know, when you're talking about a feature film or something like that, you're condensed with time. So how much are you going to put into it? That's going to shorten it to fit in that time frame. What are you going to add to it that actually gives it that little bit of dramatic movement? Because, you know, sometimes history is pretty damn boring and, you know, like this happens and this happens and this happens, but there's real no smooth connection. And that's where the, the writers and sometimes the directors step in to kind of flex it a little bit. Um, but I think you gave a prime example like Schindler's List. You know, you got Schindler's List, you've got, um, is something that's high up there. Like, I can't even imagine the atrocities that, that happened. Um, but if you were to put a finger on it, that's got to be pretty damn close. Um, I know the, the research that he put into it. But here we are, how many years since that came out? That was 93. 93. So we're 25 years later, and there's a whole subset of people saying, oh, no, no, that didn't happen. That's not what happened. And it's like, well, mm. you know, where, that, where do you go from here? I so, mean, th- there's uh, growing up, I had the fortune to my first historical film was Glory. I saw I, that in a Kodak theater when Kodak premiered it there. And that got my interest in the history a lot. I couldn't read well at that point. I mean, I was young. So up until I think about junior high, I watched a lot of historical films to get my history because I wasn't really into reading at that point a lot. It was just, hey, this is about history. I'll watch it and I don't have to read the book. But then a lot of things came out and I'm like, wow, that doesn't seem realistic to me. So I started reading. I started reading more historical books. And then I began to appreciate what writers do, the novel writers and the screenwriters do. And it is hard to condense a person's whole life or find that section. Like Lincoln is a perfect example. You're taking Lincoln's whole life and then finding the part that's the most entertaining or relevant. And in Lincoln's case, that was getting the slaves free, passing the amendment, and that's what Kushner, Tony Kushner, the playwright slash screenwriter now, focused on. And in the way it worked, I mean, we didn't need the whole, like, him being in the woods in Illinois. We didn't need that. We just needed one part, and he focused on it very well. And it's, it's hard. You have to navigate things. And sometimes we don't know everything, and we have to navigate that blind and create, I call them pit stops like if you're exploring space you have earth and you have mars and there's things in between but we don't know what those things are but we know that mars is straight ahead we see it but we have to get to that so we fill in gaps and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't the way huh. it can just the way you can forever see someone who will never know about uh for instance i went to go see amadeus when i was young that's a good movie and uh i think we went to see it two or three times in the movie theater i loved it it was 1984 is that right about that yeah uh and i but that's how i picture him i picture amadeus do you picture mozart that way so tom holge's mozart that's based on a play too fyi um so you're your your perspective on history is based on that yes, text. Yes, okay. I know. It's I know. I know, but it is, and <laughs> the way he died, and I don't even know if that's true. Not completely, no. Okay, we'll see. And you also have you have this thing that happens in the process of making a film that it is beyond the writer and the director because you've got to sell it to the studio, right? Right. And the studio is going to say, eh, "Bored, bored, not going to pass it." So the writers have got to take a, a approach that's going to say, well, if I put this in this direction, it's going to get made. Mm-hmm. Or the director steps in and says, well, if we do this, then we've just got green lighted for another $50 million to do this. Right. And 
So yeah, there there's there's going to be things that are going to be taken out of context and things that aren't depicted right. So I think when it comes down to it, not everything is going to be a, a there's no way for it to be a historical accuracy. I was just telling Tony that I'm constantly and when I'm watching historical movies, I'm pulling up like, okay, let's research the facts here. What didn't happen? And that's what everyone should do, honestly. Yeah. Well, I now like. today they can. I mean, in this day and age, which I right. sound old, we can look these things up on Wiki. We can do that. So, and actually use encyclopedias too. Yeah, yeah, and we were kids. We just couldn't really do that. So, rolling over into our media of the week, it's based <laughs> on historical <laughs> drama. So we it's all, historical narrative. It's, it's historical. A, it's it's historical narrative. Okay. Let's get it right. Okay. <laughs> so we all watched the Lost City of Z or Z. It's an uh, Amazon original movie. Um, it's written directed by David Gray. It has Charlie Hunnam, who was in Boys of Anarchy. You said? Sons of Anarchy. Sons of Anarchy. And also, uh, was he in Pride of, Pride of Prejudice? No. No. Wouldn't know that. Uh, Robert Patterson is in it, which he's been doing a lot of good work these days. Sienna Miller. Tom Holland or Spider-Man and Ian McDermott or, uh, you know, Palpatine, Emperor Palpatine. Palpatine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, it's Emperor Palpatine. I got Which one was Spider-Man? Tom Holland. No, that was Tom Holland. The son. Emperor Palpatine oh. was sitting at the table of the Royal uh, Society, oh. Geographic oh. Society. No clue. We're, oh, we're, yeah. we're geeks. Yeah. We know these things. We figure, hey, look at Spider-Man. Hey, look at the Holy Lord cow. of... Holy. Here we go again. <laughs> Let's bring and it in. The guy who played um, Murray... Um, was just off of a fantastic series. Oh I don't know if you saw it. Turn. I've seen that so trailer for on that. AMC. Um, oh, we just brought in. We just brought in superheroes into we historical do fiction. Time. We should have a little bell that goes off. And yeah, but Turn isn't superheroes. Turn is based off the American Revolution. No, I'm just okay. And actually, Murray is much better in that than he is in this film. Let's he's focus like, on our movie. Brat <laughs> so in this one. Ding Let's ding. Fo- Let's focus. Okay. okay. So, um, Lost City of Z is about true life drama centering on the British explorer Colonel Percival or Percy Fawcett who disappeared while searching for the mysterious city in the Amazon in the 1920s. The mysterious city? That's what it said on IMDb. That's the I'm reading of. The fabled fantastic city of gold. El Dorado. Did, did you read the end? El Dorado. Did what? Well the um subscript? Yes. Thank but we're you. not there yet. Okay. In the, the synopsis of what he's talking about, yeah, the city of El Dorado, the city of gold. There's been plenty of movies made about chasing after that city of gold. Like the cartoon. Where exactly is it? And uh, even when you talk about Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, that Ugh. has to deal with him trying to find that city of gold. The city of gold is called Wakanda. It's in Africa. <laughs> okay, so James. <laughs> so we talk about superheroes. So James, James, James Gray uh, directed this movie. He came under fire a lot for its historical accuracy, which he answers to. Um, this movie was shot in In 35- his historical accuracy of it being accurate or in it being very misleading? Uh, mis- misleading. Okay. Okay. But he's saying, I'm not doing a documentary. I mean, he was, I'm doing historical narrative. I'm not, I'm just telling a story here. Um, I can buy that. It was shot in 35 millimeter. Awesome. So uh, it's beautiful. I thought the shots are beautiful. It's very character-driven. I know that some would say slow. However, I like I, I, I like the whole story build up. Um, 
I don't like when people are rushing it. I, you know, I liked the whole, um, them talking, the conversations that he was having with his wife and making these decisions. And then when they're in the jungle, all the things that they went through, um, there's great visual choices. I thought that uh, when you're looking at the movie, do you not, I was just thinking how much money did they throw at this movie? Because it looked beautiful to me. Well, they shot really in the jungle. That helps the production value immensely when you shoot on location and not use CGI. So that's a bonus. Very big bonus for me. Um, I thought it was, uh, he was like in the pursuit of the sublime. I mean, he, he kind of went a little nutty. Um, <laughs> are you saying that he went really nutty? He kind of did. Um, However, I think that a lot of movies that deal with somebody in the pursuit of something, uh, they do go a little nutty because that's their main focus in life. I mean, that becomes what they have to. He uh, went on an expedition and found uh, some clay pottery that he felt that was um, from natives that were there and was laughed off saying... I don't think that you actually know what you were seeing because white men can't. It was more about um, xenophobia, but not even xenophobia, it's prejudice, point yes. and blank. And it's just the European, the English, thinking they're superior in a way that they, not so much anymore, but kind of do have that entitlement attitude. So anything that they, they even said in the film, oh, well, do they worship the same God we do, or do they understand? And they're just downing him and... It, it, sorry. It also deals with uh, his wife, her feelings about being at home, her feelings about when he wants to go back out. And she says she's ready. She wants to go with him. She wants to have this experience. And he shuts her down. And the feeling of uh, the fact that, you know, he can make this decision for her. She's staying home. She needs to be at home. Um, the fact that they even um, had that conversation I thought was important um, to show that she had these dreams, that she was um, adventurous, that she wanted also to have, you know, the search for this this sublime, have that experience with her husband. And I can totally understand that feeling. I'm going to step in here. Okay. It's not that I got... I have a problem with things being slow. I have a problem with things being boring. I never. I can watch plenty of things that are slow, but they have to take me somewhere. And this movie never took me anywhere. I, it was plotting. It was just boring. I mean, I, it, it took me two different watches to actually finish the film. And that happens very little. Usually I just put something on and I've watched some crap in one sitting. This, I was, after 5, 10, 15 minutes, I turned it off. And I, I put it back on yesterday as I was recovering from a run just to, like, put something on. It just, I got nothing out of it. I mean, e even the ending, I was expecting more out of the adventure when he finally took his son with him. And there was nothing. Well, James Gray is not, I mean, he's more, he's not into trendy. You know, he's not I'm, I'm into. Not asking, I'm not asking for trendy. I'm just giving my opinion that I thought it was a boring film. I think the first act for me was really dragging. My wife and I watched it, and we were suffering. The third, first 30 minutes, I mean, I got the whole conversation with his wife. I got the whole ridicule, the whole haunt in the beginning. That It was fine, but 
you could have cleaned that up very quickly and economically, I would say, as a writer, and it would have been fine. It's just I it really felt slow going, and I I I get it. But once Act One was over, it picked up so much speed. It was it got repetitive. Yes, like oh, I want to go back. Okay, let's go. And then we're there. Then we struggle. Then we come back. Then we go back. It's just it got too much for me. I wasn't excited about it as I wanted to be. I like I love history films, but this just didn't do it for me either. I mean, I watched it because I knew I had to talk about it, and I didn't want to not watch the whole film. I give films that kind of respect where I try to watch the whole thing. And I watched it in one sitting. Um, I was never bored. Um, but Jason was my husband. Said this is this is slow. I said it's. Um, I don't find it to be slow. I did not find it to be slow. I want to reiterate. For me, it wasn't that it was slow. It was just that it was boring. It didn't keep his attention. It didn't take me anywhere. It didn't put anything on the table that was worth keeping my attention. I love explorer films. I love having things where like, oh, they're, they're, you know, these deep historical things. And I just, I never got that from this film. That it was you did like, not get a feeling of gone into. You did no. not feel like you had gone into exploring. One of the most boring scenes that they try to make exciting was the whole when he was in the the hall trying to to get the funding and everything for him to go back. It was one of the weirdest moments of the film that felt so out of place. Just kept yelling. It, it just rah 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 yeah. and. You couldn't tell whether the crowd was for him or against him because of the way it was filmed. And then Murray steps forward and basically throws his support at it, and all of a sudden, everybody's for him. When the whole feeling of up to that point was everybody was against him. He did mention his wife, by the way, as finding, uh, which is a big deal back then. I mean, for him to say, my wife found this, um, which, I don't know, I I guess I feel that... um, Sure, obviously it's not for everyone. I thought it was a beautiful, beautifully shot. I liked the whole historical narrative. I liked the character-driven. I liked the visual choices. I liked. Um, it's a film. It's not a product. It's not something that they're throwing out there. It's, they're not expecting throngs of people to be going to this movie. I mean, or watching the movie since it's on Netflix. But I think they tried. I mean, they threw Charlie Hunman. And Robert Pattinson in this movie. But you could barely distinguish. I didn't realize I it was that. Robert Pattinson until halfway through the movie. I'm like, I love that. Wait about it. That. I knew him immediately, but Jason was but no, it's not. They 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 tried to market this movie to get people to go to it, and then it just it flopped and went it straight did to Amazon. Not, well, it did pretty well as far as critically speaking. Yeah. I think my problem with the film mostly was the historical issues with uh, the character being prejudiced racist in real life and then also the fact that there's no motivation for him in my viewing of it that he had to just go back to the jungle and save the legacy of these people. Right. There was no motivation for it besides just his man glory. But that's not really enough for me. But that's often what happens. I know. So wrapping up The Lost City of Zed, Anthony? A no-go. I wouldn't watch that again. And I can't recommend that to people to watch. To me, it is a (laughs) skip it. I mean, unless you want something to go to sleep to. My wife almost did. 
<laughs> out of out of fairness, Valerie, this is a from you. Oh, um, I think it's for a, a, a particular group of people. So I would see it and give. Tell you what, why don't you watch it and give it the first thirty forty five minutes. And if you continue, then you're then it's for you. If you can't, then you're done. That's what I would say. Right. Thank All you. Right. And see, the whole top, the whole point of our topic and media is to make us think outside the box a little bit. You know, bring us into movies we wouldn't normally watch. And I'll admit, Lost City of Z was on my radar and in my queue last year, and I just never got around to watching it. So I actually. Watching it cleared it out of my queue. <laughs> Did you even think it was beautifully shot at all? At times, mm. not the whole thing. Yeah, so. I've seen better cinematography in the mission. On oh my gosh, if you're going to compare everything to the mission, then <laughs> we're going to lose. So look forward to more spirited topic and media discussions in the future as we discuss things that maybe Anthony and I like and Valerie hates. Or I'm sure that's going to happen. But Marvel time. Hey. <laughs> my gosh so skipping on over to what's on our radar in our queue to wrap this up Tony so this week I'm going to watch finally watch The Darkest Hour I've been putting it off because you know I want some happiness in my life it's not going to be a happy movie but I like watching good acting and you know best acting of the year yes best acting of the year and then I'm going to watch Black Panther because you know I have to watch that film my brothers and I will go see that and it'll be fantastic and I'm going to keep reading my books, Brother by David Sharandi and Scarborough. So I am. I also I did see that the, the Darkest Hour was able to be rented. So I'm going to be watching that. Uh, and I'm going to watch Allred by Gloria Allred. And that is, I believe, I want to say, I think it's on Netflix. Um, my good friend Leslie, she recommended Man in the High Castle. Have you heard of it? My wife's seen that. I've seen the was it two two seasons so far? Or has it just been one? It's season? just I think it's two seasons, but okay. she's yeah, so excited, so excited about me watching it. So I promised her I would start it today. It's got it's got some good moments in it. It's um, I'm, interesting views. I'm excited. And then um, Aldrich Carbon. This obviously I'm not going to get to all these. Aldrich Carbon was on my list and the Alias. If I can start it, but I also need to finish. I have about five hours left of Bear Town, which is excellent. Uh, the book I'm reading. So, I, on Valerie's recommendation, watched Wormwood, the Errol <laughs> Morris. Um, this was not on my queue. Um, Valerie had mentioned it at the last show. I decided, why not? And then she reiterated, oh, watch Wormwood. So I watched Wormwood. Well, I was going by the trailer. <laughs> I was. And um, this actually turned into an interesting documentary style film that I actually appreciated the filmmaking style a little bit more so than the actual story. And um, I now want to go back and look and see some of his other documentaries to see what they're like. Um, he's got a very unique style of presenting. Um, I did start it at 1045 at night. I may have been way too tired to watch it's, it. In terms of slow, it is very slow. It, and it's purposely slow in drawing out this, okay. taking a story and then this just one dragging This one gets it out. to be purposely slow. No, I'm just saying it's deliberately made that way. The other one was deliberately made slow. It just was boring. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> so um, Wormwood is very for a very specific group of people that like 
documentaries and people talking and it's a, about it's about LSD, yeah. LSD. Well, yeah, it's about um, one of the scientists uh, at the beginning of um, the CIA taking LSD and the events surrounding that and the cover up that ensued. So it's a little bit conspiracy theorist type thing going on. Um, but again, if you're in that documentary group, it's a recommendation. If you're not, stay far away from it because you probably won't get anything out of it. Um, I watched the Cloverfield Paradox. I'm just not even gonna worth spending time. It sucks. Don't even watch it. Um, I'm continuing to watch The Alienist. Love Daniel Bruhl. Love Luke Evans. I think this series is really good. Um, the first episode was kind of wish-washy for me, but as it's been going on, I'm just like, yeah. yeah Will I you like read it. the book after? Probably. Okay. It's one so, of my friend's favorite books ever. Um, I'm really enjoying it, though. I, I, love, I love watching series and stuff that are set in specific time periods and then watching them embrace that time period with everything they can at it. There are a lot of modernisms that have been thrown in there that are kind of like take me out of it every once in a while, but uh, so far it's on my recommendation list. Uh, wrapped up the fall season three, watched Black Panther. What did you think of the fall? The fall? I... The fall, season three. Let's talk about that some other time. Let's do, okay. Yeah. That, that, that deserves a little bit more in-depth talking. Um, watch Black Panther. We're going to talk about that in a future episode. Um, finally got around to seeing three billboards. I also have Lady Bird sitting in my queue ready to watch. Probably watch that tonight. Um, next guest, Big Sick, Everything Sucks, and Full Metal Alchemist are things that are up in my queue to watch this week. Are you going to watch um, Lady Bird with your wife? Yes. Okay, good. Yeah, we were going to watch it last night, and we got distracted by something else. I would like to hear what she has to say, too. Did yeah. you like three billboards? Me. Okay. I thought, uh, what's his name was an ass. What are you or Sam? Uh, Sam. What okay. did you think of the screenplay? Dead silence. This wouldn't be on the best picture list for me. I thought it was a well-made film. Right. But, I mean, this is not a... So it's a gimme, basically. Is that Martin? Wow. Yeah. Credit and, wow. Yeah. What? I, I, nothing. I saw it was just loved it. Loved it. Uh, it was well done. I mean, I, I think it was crafted to be a Oscar contender. There was certain things that were done in a certain way. That, For Francis and Sam. Yeah. I mean, you take certain actors and put them in certain places and you write it specifically for them. It's going to shine. Yeah. So, but uh, it's a, it's a recommendation list. I'm, but that is my cue and radar this week. So with that, we are going to wrap up the show. Uh, Tony, where can we find you? I'm on social media. I'm on Facebook. You can just look me up by my name. And I'm on Twitter at S-M-T-O-R-C-H-I-O. And Valerie? I am on Twitter and Instagram at PennyLane64. And I am at GF Media pretty much anywhere. You can find us at culturalstew.net, culturalstew.net on Twitter, or culturalstew on Facebook. The music, the intro break music, is Please Listen Carefully by Jazir, which is available through the Creative Commons license from freemusicarchive.org. We're going to take you out on Until the World Ends by Martin Carlberg, courtesy of Epidemic Sound. Catch you later.
liked what you've heard, please consider sponsoring us on Patreon. Patreon is a creator support system that allows people to support the things they love and creators to continue doing what they love. Head on over to patreon.com slash gfmedia and choose the Cultural Stew podcast levels to show your support for us. Tears run down from my eyes, Lord. Somebody, ooh, somebody, can anybody find me? Somebody to love. Alexa, play hits from Queen. Okay. Somebody to love. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.